we're going to open up with prayer. We're going to look at the Word. Father, thank you for your provision and your care, your love, your grace, and your mercy. I just ask, Lord, that you hold us in this. As we hear this word, may it not fall on deaf ears, but may it fall on open spirits, ready to receive, Lord, through our inner man, through our inner woman, that the Spirit might disperse it to our whole being. Remind us of who you are. Draw us close. We might be strengthened by you. Thank you, Lord, for what you do through your word. How you comfort us, Lord. And at times, how you even rebuke us, convict us. But Lord, all that leads us back to you. We listen. Let us listen today, Lord. And not just for our sake, but for somebody else's who needs to hear it too. All the church said, Amen. I'm not going to use slides this morning. I prepared a whole PowerPoint, and if you want later, you know, you can go online and look at them. Um, but I just want to stick to the simplicity of, of the message this morning. If you have your Bibles open with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19, William, if you want to pop those slides up, you can. Those, those slides, then we'll stop with that. Um, it's on the screen, it's in your bulletin. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 19, beginning in verse 8, as we bring this series, Church of Refuge, to a close. And uh, I've enjoyed the study, and I hope you all have too. I hope it will continue to not just be something we leave in the past, but something that will continue to bless us as we go about our days, that, it, that the Word changed who, who we are. Deuteronomy chapter 19, beginning in verse 8 and reading to verse 13. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory as He promised on oath to your ancestors and gives you the whole land He promised them. Because you carefully follow all these laws, I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk always in obedience to Him. Then you are to set aside three more cities. Do this so that innocent blood will not be shed in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance, and so that you will not be guilty of bloodshed. But if out of hate someone lies in wait, assaults and kills a neighbor, and then flees to one of these cities, the killer shall be sent for by the town elders, be brought back from the city, and be handed over to the avenger of blood to die. Show no pity. You must purge from Israel the guilt of shedding innocent blood so that it might go well with you. During my preparation and, and study for this sermon, verse 9 resonated heavily with me. This is what it says. Because, get this, because you carefully follow all these laws, I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk always in obedience to Him, then you are to set aside three more cities. This verse told the people of Israel, God's people, that if they served and loved God faithfully, that they would need to create more cities of refuge. 
that serving God faithfully meant that they would have to create more cities of refuge. Now, initially, that struck me as a little odd, that if they serve God faithfully, that they would have to add even more cities of refuge as a result. It just seemed odd that more love, more uh, service, more greater devotion to God would render such a need for more cities of refuge. But then... It's like God spoke and a practical lesson for the church today appeared. And I hope today, church, that we will take strength and encouragement in the fact that I believe that this is true of us. And we need to do everything we can to maintain this. That when Moses first introduced these cities to the people in this passage that that we have read, he said back in verse 2 that you need to set aside for yourself Three cities in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. That was in the time of Moses. Set aside three cities. Then by the time Joshua succeeds Moses as Israel's leader, he tells the Israelites in chapter 20 of the book of Joshua, verses 7 and 8, that they need to establish six cities of refuge. Between one generation to the next, God said go from three to six. And the reason for the change is because faith, faith, what was our vision for the year? To be faithful. See how God's working that out? He knew this was coming. The reason for the change from going from three cities to six was because faith had increased from the time of Moses to the time of Joshua. The spiritual climate of those that Joshua led was much greater than those that Moses led. The spies who were first those that explored the promised land in Moses' day could not see the victory that God had already prepared for them. All they saw was a problem. They saw that it was a problem too big for them. And because they didn't believe in God's promise for them, they believed in their hearts that it was a promise even too big for God. But their children, on the other hand, they not only saw the victory, but they laid claim to it because they believed and stood on the fact that God had put all the problems under His feet. That He had already done it before they ever crossed that Jordan River into this new land. For this new generation, faith alone, again, For this generation, faith alone made the difference. To lead this new generation not only to blessing from God, but to trust that God placed in them. Not only were they blessed personally by God, but they were blessed with God's trust that He placed in them. We learn a powerful lesson from the Israelites in this passage that a sign of God's approval of our faith, love, and devotion to Him is not only exhibited in personal blessings from God, but also in the blessings given from us to others because of God. Not only do we receive, but we are blessed by God to give. When we live pleasing lives to God, And pleasing lives to God entails serving Him and others. And and when we do this, He blesses us with His trust in us. And His trust in us are the opportunities that He gives us to minister 
to others to take part in what He loves more than anything else. And that's calling lost sinners, lost souls, to redemption and repentance. In the days of the Old Testament, God showed them that, that they were trustworthy in His sight for that time because He added more cities of refuge to this new generation's lineup because they had proven themselves to be more faithful than their ancestors. And this same thing can be true of us. It can be true of us both individually as a person serving Christ or corporately as the whole church serves Christ together. As individuals, God will bless us with opportunities to bless His name before others if we bless Him in our hearts when, when we are alone and it overflows from our lives. He, he will bless us with opportunities to reach out personally. But as the corporate body of believers, if together, if we put Christ, if we put His vision, if we put His mission, get this, for the group of worshipers first. Again, in order to be blessed by God, the group of worshipers together have to put Christ, His vision, His mission first. Together, collectively. Not in part, but the whole. And when we do that, God will extend our reach of refuge to the lost and hurting world that surrounds us to our community, to our city who's in deep need, to the ones that we love who are in need around us. If we serve God faithfully with a collective shared vision, it's sad, the tragedies that we've been through here together since January, of instantaneous loss. Up until now, even prolonged loss, it's not easy. And near misses. I need to tell you today, church, that these things would not happen if God didn't trust us. And I can say that because of His Word. And we need to do everything we can to keep it that way. We need to maintain God's vision we need to maintain trust in Him and collectively worship and serve Him together, not in part, but the whole, that He might expand our reach of refuge to the lost and hurting world. As He teaches us how we are to welcome people unconditionally, but not only people unconditionally, continue to learn from Him how to welcome His Spirit unconditionally. As we see from the Israelites' unfortunate history, as the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, if, if we are faithless, He is faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Oh. If we are faithless, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, if we are faithless, He, he is faithful. For he cannot deny himself. And even though this is true, and I believe Paul writes this from the, 
the perspective of generations of Israelites who just couldn't seem to get it together. Now, if the Israelites could, could speak today, I believe they would scream, this passage is true. We were faithless and He was faithful. We were still blessed even in our faithlessness, but still, be faithful. It's better. <laughs> be faithful because it's better. How many in your, in your life could you say that God has sustained me, but I wish I could have been more faithful? It would have been a lot better. Let us stop saying that and, and live it. We'll still never measure up to God, but we need to see His handprints all over us because we chose to be faithful to the God who is faithful. Imagine what two faithful groups could do together, God and His church. We saw how 12 men took Jesus' message to the world and over 2,000 years later we're still blessed because of 12 people who were faithful. I had 94 last week in attendance. Just imagine just 94 people. What the world would look like if we together remain faithful to the God who always remains faithful. God has much more, far more grace and mercy than we do, even for ourselves. <laughs> he has far more grace and mercy, and He blesses us even in the bare minimum or the empty of life that we feel sometimes. But He wants far more for us than that, so much more. And not just that we might be blessed with, with abundant life ourselves, but that others might be blessed by our abundance of life. That they might be blessed from the Jesus that, that is living within us. And, and the wonderful thing is, is that can start today. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. That, that can start today. In the days of old, people who hurt someone else and ultimately themselves as well and, and innocence could, could run to any of the six cities of refuge, Bezir, which means a remote fortress, or, or Ramath, which means the heights, and, and that's in Gilead, which means a rocky region, or Golan, that's a, that's a, a place of rejoicing, or Kadesh, a, a, a holy place it means, and in Naphtali, which, which is a place of wrestling, as the, as the name means. Or they could go to Shechem, which means a shoulder to, to lean on. Or they could even go to Hebron, which is an association of fellowship and unity, which is in Judah, a praised place, as its name means. Today, wouldn't it be nice to have places like this to, to run to when the avenger of blood is hot on our tail, when we need to, we need to find an escape from life? It'd be nice to have a place like this to, to run to. But the truth is, we already do. And we don't have six places. We don't have one on every corner like Starbucks and Kinko's. We've got one place. One place. When we are in need, when we are trying to figure out how all these terrible things happen to us that, that we are facing, how we even came to this point, what, whatever difficult thing it might be in our life that, that has happened to us or, or to the life of somebody that that we love, when, when the demand for our blood is, is quickly on our tail, we don't have to take a long trip for refuge, church. In fact, the trip is as short as the time it takes for us to hit 
our knees. And even if you're already down, the Spirit will bow for you within your heart. Refuge is only for us and for those who are in need of it right now, for those who who are desperate, in need of help. It is as quick to find refuge in Jesus Christ as it is for us to fall on our knees. If we bow in prayer, God transports us immediately in that moment to Calvary, to the foot of the cross, where Christ's blood still flows free for whosoever will come. And it doesn't just flow once for someone who repents. It flows as long as we live and ask for it. In Jesus' blood at the cross, Satan's lust for blood is ended as sin's demand for blood is satisfied. For we know without the shedding of blood, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, there is no remission of sin. Thank God for Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's here at the foot of the cross that that the redeemed sing and, and loudest praise, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other, no other fount I know. Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? Listen to this convicting passage from Romans chapter 10. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of us who take good news. My feet aren't beautiful. But to somebody who's in need and hurting, they are. Because it was me and it was you and it was countless others and the apostles who we should thank for their very feet washed by Jesus Christ that they brought the good news to somebody who brought it to somebody who brought it to us. And now we should take this message to those who still have not heard it. Jesus told the Apostle Peter, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. I want you to listen to a bit of commentary and encouragement that Dr. David Jeremiah spoke concerning this verse and concerning the importance of the church. Some very discouraging statistics are out about the number of people that used to go to church and don't go anymore. And it's very discouraging. Because if you take church out of your life, you will suffer the consequences. And you may talk about your church and all of its shortcomings, and we all seem to know about them. They're they're everywhere. But let me tell you, the Bible tells us that God has built His whole plan on the church. And every weekend, I want to encourage you to make church a priority. There you serve, 
There you encourage. There you bless others. Being blessed yourself is not the issue. Go to church and bless somebody. Be the difference maker in your congregation. And I know that God will honor that and you will come out of that experience much blessed yourself. Church, we the people. We the people. This is our declaration. We the people, not the building, not just one person, but all of us collectively is what it takes to show love, grace, and mercy to a lost and hurting world. The gates of hell, Jesus said, do not prevail against just one of us. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us collectively. All of us who choose to serve the Lord faithfully until He comes again. You ever heard that saying, you know, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise? I think we need to say it like this, good Lord willing and the church don't rise. We're going to see each other again. We're going to be blessed again. Good Lord willing and the church don't rise. We will serve Him faithfully until He comes again. And until then, there are going to be many hurting people who need a touch from the Lord. And because of our faith, because of the number of believers, because where God has positioned us, they should not have to look far to find us. Because if we really believe in Christ, He'll give us the opportunity. This morning, we may not have to look far to find them. They may even sit right next to us. They may sit across from us. They may sit in front or behind of us this morning. These people that God wants us to go to may be in the same office with us. And they may sit at the same dinner table with us tonight. Regardless, these are the people God's calling us to go to. Church, there needs to be total praise in the fellowship of believers when someone tossed by the storms of life who nearly drown, finds a place of safety in Jesus while they wait out their storms. Listen to these words of the, of the different names of the cities of refuge put together very simply and how Jesus flows from them, how they pointed to Christ before He ever came. See, Jesus is a remote fortress, high above the rocky region of our life and circumstances, where there is rejoicing in this holy place we have found, where our wrestling with sin is no more, for we have found a shoulder to cry on in an association of fellowship and unity in the one Jesus Christ and His people. And when this refuge has been found, when we are safe and secure in the refuge of Jesus Christ with the other believers, may God be praised. Do you see Jesus in all this? Church, there are so many people who are in the storms of life who, as we know so recently, nearly drown that needs to find a place of safety while they wait out their storm. Will the consequences remain? They will. That's just the reality of it. But yet, even in that, God can make it so we can rise above even sin's curse 
Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-10. through 10. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are certainly not destroyed. Amen? We are certainly not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Though we may feel we are of great faith or we may feel we are of weak faith, Jesus Christ is living within us. And because of that, even though we're pressed, we're not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed because Christ is here. God's looking out for us even when we are not looking out for ourselves. You may have scars from life. But let me tell you something. Jesus had scars too. And He still does. At heaven, we will recognize Him because of the scars that He bears. And those are the scars that He bore for us. And just like Jesus' scars that He bore, ours too can be a sign of healing. His were a sign of healing for the world. Our scars can stand to show and be a sign of, of how He has healed us what God has done in us. With Jesus' help, He can show us how to turn our deepest open wounds into a source and place of God's strength, even in our weakness. And He can turn our scars into a testimony of God's glory revealed in us through this promise from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no one may boast in the presence of Almighty God. Did you know that Jesus is in this group of foolish things? Do you realize that Paul's talking about Jesus in this too? If you feel low, if you feel despised, if you feel shamed, if you feel like nothing... You're in good company with Jesus Christ. He was in this group because in His humanity, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was so despised that people looked on Him in shame, but yet by His wounds, we are healed. And the ones that we love can be healed. And those we haven't met yet that God is preparing to put in our path, they too can be healed. Do you feel low or despised this morning? Do you feel foolish, weak, or shameful? Do you feel like nothing? That's my story. At times I have felt like nothing. Worth nothing to people and worth nothing to God. Well, it's not true. Whatever you feel, whether weak, shamed, despised, broken, it's not true. If you don't feel this way, at least not now, I know that you know somebody who does. And God wants you to know, and He wants them to know, that in that state of weakness, we are primed for His touch, for His strength, for His refuge. The question is, will we tell them? Because they're waiting on us. We're the only way. The church is the only way that the Lord speaks to this world. Salvation through Jesus. It's people like us who take the word to them, whether in our hearts or on the page. To me, either one is just as good if you know what it is. 
Will we go to them and will we tell them Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31? But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, that they shall mount up on weeds like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Will we go to them and tell them this and tell them this over and 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 over again until they get it? Until they hear it? Until they feel it? Until they know it? Until they believe it? Will we tell them this? Until it's their story too. Because church, there is too much innocent blood being shed in our land. There is too much innocent blood being shed by Satan in our land, in our country, in our world, but also in our homes and in our own backyards. Too much innocent blood. People who don't mean to get themselves where they are. That life seemed to have a way of pulling them in. There's too much innocent blood being shed. But there is a place for them to go. Do they know about it? Do they know about it? Verse 13 of this passage we've read this morning says, You must purge from Israel. Israel is God's people then. We are spiritual Israel today. We are still God's people. This passage is talking to us. You must purge from Israel, God's people, the guilt of shedding innocent blood so that it might go well with you. Do you hear that? We must help people shed from themselves the guilt. And we must help shed the guilt of innocent blood from being shed in this congregation. When people come through the door, they're dripping innocent blood. The guilt is on us if we don't help them find relief. There's innocent blood being shed in your workplace. They walk in dripping it. There's innocent blood in your home. Whether you realize it or not, sometimes they walk in dripping it. Now things happen and we don't always know. We can't always see it. Sometimes it's so faint that we don't realize it. But our witness for Christ is what keeps the guilt from us. Jesus said, don't cast pearls before swine. But you still have to know the difference between the swine and those who are ready to receive it, don't you? You never know until you feel it out. People drip innocent blood all the time keep the guilt from us, when they tell us, when we see it, we have to, have to welcome them in Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35 says something that's quoted far too much and in the wrong context, I believe. It says that vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. Now we tend to add saith the Lord at the end of that but it continues to go on. There's much more. But we say, vengeance is mine. God is going to handle the guilty. But God has asked us to handle the innocent. God is going to take care of those who are obviously guilty, who do it for a reason, who do wrong for a purpose, who are going to die apart from Him. He is going to take care of them. He asks us to take care of the innocent. He asks us to take care of those people who can't take care of themselves, that are hurting and in need of help. He is asking us to do it. He'll handle the guilty, and there's a lot of them. Time is going to take care of them. If there is sin in them, they're going to die with the world. 
I hate to say it and put it like that, they will burn with the world. But if there is Christ inside somebody, even just a flicker, God is going to save them. He's going to save us. Church, let's let the Lord deal with the true guilty. For he said that he would. He doesn't need our help. But what he does want our help with is the innocent. To welcome them unconditionally. So will we. Will we? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for these people's attention to your word. I thank you for showing me through your word that right now this congregation is being trusted by you because of all the hardship that we've been through together. And you're priming us for even more expansive refuge. But I pray that you will help us keep it that way. Don't let us be comfortable and satisfied because we may be patting ourselves on the back because of a victory won. But let us keep searching and pursuing like you do those who are lost in the world. The 90 and 9 might be safe in the fold, but let us run vigorously after that one lost sheep who is far away from the flock, who has wandered and strayed and in harm and in danger. Let us run passionately as you would. Let us be your presence in this world and go to them and keep them from further harm. Still in our heart that passion. Lord, keep it burning. Do not, Lord, within us. I pray for myself and I pray for all of us. Me first. Don't let it die within us. Lord, let us reach out in refuge to the world. For they need it. Help us, Lord, and show us where we can draw closer to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.